Hi friends, happy November. If you're new here, welcome to Around the Clock. My name is Preeti and I'm your host. Every month I pick one medical topic that's been on my mind and I talk about it. Since it is November, food is a big part of this month and I kind of wanted to do a spin on mealtimes, food, and just throw in some medical history that's also a little bit interesting. So without further ado, let's dig in. Disclaimer. The following presentation contains discussions about death, dying, and the medical processes that occur in the body. I also would like to emphasize that I am not promoting or encouraging any of the behaviors being discussed. In fact, I want to discourage it for your own safety. So for today's topic, we're going to go and travel all the way back to the ancient world, like BC era, ancient Roman type of vibes era and we're going to talk about Mithridates the sixth who was the emperor of Pontus. Pontus is somewhere in the Persian empire and he was also known as the poison king due to his affinity for poison. So today we are going to be talking about Mithridatism which is, I hope I said that right, but it's basically the process or practice of ingesting non-lethal amounts of poison over time in the hopes to build up a tolerance or immunity for it. But we're going to start with this story, right? This is where it all started. This is where the name comes from. This is the guy who began this whole journey. So Mithridates VI, his dad, Mithridates V, was actually king, but the fifth king, the king was assassinated by his wife, the queen. And her method of choice was by using poison. And I heard somewhere that um, historically poison was a female killer's choice of attack. I'm not sure why, but I just thought it was interesting that she also chose poison. But she poisoned him, he died, and then the queen became the sole ruler over Pontus until a a male heir came of age. And the only male heirs that were possible were young Mithridates VI and his brother. But over time, Mithridates began noticing that his mom was favoring his brother a lot more. And he was also suspicious, or was at least suspicious, probably aware of the role that his mom played in his dad's death. Like he pretty much was almost sure that she definitely poisoned him. And he also began noticing that he started having stomach pains and he wasn't feeling well and it was just not a fun time for him after any meal time, after any drink, anything that he was ingesting, immediately after he would start feeling in pain or just not feeling well. And he was getting suspicious that his mom was poisoning him too. You know, because she was favoring his mom, she already killed his dad, she clearly didn't really like him that much and she just kind of wanted to get him out of the way and he felt like she was doing the same thing to him that she did to his dad and he pretty much decided to just flee and live in the wilderness until he could get it together enough to come back and while he was in the wild he got this idea to begin ingesting non-lethal amounts of any poisons or any toxins that he found around him and you know because think about it like at this time in the world the ancient world poison was just so commonplace it was practically its own like sport in this world because it was just an efficient 
clean cut way to get rid of somebody that you didn't want to deal with anymore and he already knew his dad died by it he already suspected that his mom was trying to do that to him too and Mithridates was just like no you know what I'm gonna build up a way for myself to protect myself against anybody trying to poison me and he came up with this idea to just ingest really small amounts non-lethal amounts of any toxins and poisons that he encountered during his time in the wild and thought he believed that he built up a tolerance or an immunity to it and he built up this immunity he got his body all ready to go and then he came back to his kingdom overthrew his mom and his brother and he kept you know training his body to become this poison shield even after he became emperor because at this point in time nobody is stopping anything to not kill you if they wanted your area or if they want if they wanted your seat or if they wanted you gone and so he still kept going it and he actually began mixing a whole bunch of poisons and toxins together and it's rumored that he made this universal remedy using all of those of those poisons as ingredients and it was called mithridate which was basically like a universal antidote if somebody was poisoned and they took this antidote they would be saved they wouldn't die and it was apparently really highly sought after by people in ancient Rome and the emperors and the people in government there because, again, it's ancient Rome. If somebody wasn't being stabbed, they were being poisoned. It was its own sport. It was the way to get rid of somebody and people just wanted to be sure that they could survive that attack. And apparently antidote was a really great way of doing that. And so Mithridates the sixth was the guy that got this whole thing started and it's why it's named after him you know the, this process of ingesting poisons or toxins to build up a tolerance is called Mithridatism because of this guy there's actually another contribution to this process or practice in mythology and it's from Indian mythology actually and in Indian mythology there are these beings I'm gonna call them called Vishakanyas and the story goes that under the rule of King Chandragupta Maurya in the BC era, we're still in the ancient world, okay? But under his rule, there was a common practice of selecting young, beautiful girls, little girls, and training them to become assassins. And during their training, they were given small amounts of poison at every mealtime, every drink, um, pretty much until they grew up. So until they were little, Till they became an adult, they were just having all of these poison be put into their mealtimes. The idea was that by doing this, these girls would become insensitive to poison and that whoever was intimate with them would also die because the person didn't have the tolerance that the Vishakanya did. And these girls were raised and became adults and they were basically built to become assassins for the kingdom. You know, they had an advantage. There was one way, one surefire way that they couldn't be killed themselves. And it's mythology, so I obviously cannot say that this definitely happened. Matter of fact, but I think it's interesting that even in a different part of the world, there was this similar idea and similar approach that people took to kind of protect themselves in a world where this was just such a common thing to do. And actually, I read a book a while ago, it's a YA fiction novel called Poison's Kiss by Brianna Shields. And it actually is a 
book that is centered around the myth of Vishakanyas, and the main character is one of them. And I thought it was just a really interesting read. Maybe you might too, I don't know, but check it out if you are kind of vibing with this. So we talked about the like mythology, right? Mithridates and Pontus, ancient Rome, ancient India. We talked about the stories, the mythology that got this whole practice started, but what's the reality of it? Does it actually work? And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it does not work. Um, from what I was reading, the, the theory and the myths were being applied to every single type of poison, but from research and through various experiments, it has been found that this practice of mithridatism does not work for all types of poisons. And it's like a 99.9% of poisons it doesn't work for. But if it d- did work, it would only be possible with biological or plant-based poisons or toxins. And I just want to clarify once again that I am not recommending that you try this because it is incredibly risky and certain toxins and poisons can build up in the body without you knowing it and can cause death. But we're just going to talk about it because it's a pretty interesting topic in my opinion. But basically, the reality of it is that if this did work, it would happen by three processes, right? It would either be that the tolerance is built up because the body is able to break down the poison. So you ingest the poison, your body's like, oh, that's something I need to break down so it doesn't wreak havoc. And it breaks down the poison and it just becomes more efficient and more better at breaking the poison down, thereby increasing your tolerance to it. But that's not likely to happen. The second way is that the body can recognize it and pass it through the system and just have it come out the way that any waste product would come out of your body. I'm not sure how likely that is because the research didn't say, but I wouldn't put my bet on it. I wouldn't risk it. And then the third way is basically by conditioning the liver to make enzymes that can metabolize the poison. And I thought this was pretty interesting because this is pretty much the same way that the liver metabolizes alcohol, right? Like when you drink alcohol, your liver releases these enzymes that can pretty much break the alcohol down and metabolize it. And as you drink more and more alcohol, you build up a tolerance to it because your liver gets better and better at metabolizing it. And I thought it was really cool. The liver is one of my favorite organs because just the way that it's organized, it's just so efficient and it honestly doesn't get enough credit for all of the things that it does. But again, this way of breaking down poisons is not recommended because it's not a perfect system. There's only so much that your liver can handle before it eventually is also like, hey, I can't deal with this anymore. You got to take a break. Because even with alcohol, which is the example that I gave earlier, alcoholics you know they can get fatty liver disease they can get cirrhosis at some point your liver gives out and so this is not a recommended way to be able to metabolize poisons during my research there are there are these two rules not rules but kind of like guidelines that i found that you know we're just saying that this process doesn't work for these type of poisons. But I also found some exceptions because it is medicine and what is medicine if we didn't have any exceptions. So the first quote-unquote rule that I'm going to say is that this practice of mithridatism 
does not work for a lot of stuff, especially non-biological or non-plant-based poisons. For example, mercury is chemical. It's chemical. It's a chem. It's an element in chemistry, but mercury will kill you. Doesn't matter the dosage, how it's taken, where it's taken, what form it's in. Mercury will kill you. It is a poison. No exceptions. The one exception to this rule that this doesn't this tolerance there's not a way to build up a resistance to non-biological poisons is with arsenic. In a normal person, arsenic will definitely kill you and should not go anywhere near it. But some people have a genetic makeup or like a mutation or genetic adaptation that allows them to have a higher resistance to arsenic, which means that they they would need a higher dose of arsenic or more exposure to it in order for them to actually have any of the effect of the effects or be killed by it. But I don't consider it an exception because the whole idea behind Mithridatism is that you are purposefully injecting or ingesting these doses to build up a tolerance or immunity to it. But with these people, they have like an advantage built into their genes. They don't need to build up a resistance to it. It's inborn. They already have it. It just gives them a dis- an advantage a advantage, not an a advantage over like the average person. That was the first rule. The second rule is that this practice does not work with poisons that bypass the immune system. So any any poison that bypasses the immune system will kill you, which makes sense, right? Because in order to build up an immunity to it, your immune system has to be in action. But if it kind of evades the immune system and just skips right by it, there's no a chance to build up an immunity. The only way, the only poison that this doesn't work exactly for is cyanide. So cyanide is a poison, it's a toxin that bypasses the immune system, but it's actually metabolized by the liver. So remember we were talking about the liver, how it makes enzymes to metabolize stuff. So in the case of cyanide, the liver makes the enzyme rhodinase that converts cyanide into a less toxic form. And this metabolization process means that while humans can survive against very minimal amounts of cyanide, like the cyanide present in apple seeds or the cyanide gas in fires and cigarettes, those are really, really small amounts. So at that point, your liver is like, okay, I have enough to make this rhodinase enzyme and we'll break it down and nothing serious is going to arise from it. But while, the, while humans can survive with that, the liver cannot be conditioned to metabolize cyanide. You cannot like train it to give you a higher tolerance to this poison. So because of that, cyanide is still very much extremely lethal because the whole process is just, you can't manipulate it. And even to make the rhodinase enzyme, the liver needs a huge amount of substrates that are just not available on a day-to-day basis. So the general consensus is with mitridatism, don't do it. It's not useful. It's not practical. It's extremely dangerous, but like super interesting and cool to just learn about and read about and also kind of go back in time and look at how all these different civilizations and kingdoms and areas had their own different take on it because it was just so common then. And I, I can't imagine being given a plate of food by a friend or going to someone's house for a meal 
and wondering like oh are they gonna poison me are they trying to kill me like i could never even imagine that so i don't know how these guys way back then did it but props to them we definitely live in much better times where we don't have to be worried about our food or water being poisoned you know like if you come to my house you're getting a poison-free healthy fun meal right and honestly the ancient world was just so cutthroat sometimes literally just cutthroat and maybe that's why their life expectancy was so low i mean they had like famine and disease and just a whole bunch of other stuff but poison definitely doesn't help um but this is a safe space so nothing but love and support here i know it was a short one but i just Hope it was at least a little bit interesting. I thought so too. And once again, thank you so, so much for listening. I am so thankful for y'all and hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. As always, I hope you have an amazing month. Be smart, be safe, make good decisions. And until next time, bye.